Hello listeners, welcome to the Evenode Investment Podcast. This is a, a new adventure for us and we hope that it's of interest. We thought we'd do a podcast that is uh, more conversational to try and give you insights into how we think about investment and investing yours and, and your client's capital as Evenode Investment and a bit of what it's like to work and the sort of work that we do on a day-to-day basis by talking about examples, talking about sectors and other things that are of interest. So I'm Ben Peters. I'm a fund manager at Evenload Investment, and today I am also joined by Tom Weller. Tom, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, Ben. Thank you. So I've been working at Evenload for about a year and a half now, and we're actually going to talk about one of the companies that was one of the first that I sat in on a grilling that Ben gave to the CEO and his team. And it's given me an affinity, I would say, for the testing, inspection and certification industry and Bureau Veritas in particular. Yeah, so we're going to be covering that particular industry and it's so to give the basics of the industry, testing, inspection and certification. These are companies that will go into businesses and help them with their regulatory needs and their planning needs. So they tend to operate across different sectors. So they might work in the food sector on the one hand or maybe in the nuclear sector on the other. In both of those sectors, there's a great deal of need for regulatory approval, for certification of what the companies are doing and assistance with things like the supply chain. So they're the types of companies that we're talking about. Tom, you mentioned Bureau Veritas, which is a, a holding in the Evenode Global Income Fund. And we also have a holding in uh, Intertech in the Evenode Income Fund as well in the same sector. So two businesses, global businesses doing a very similar thing. Yeah, it's a fascinating industry. And I think one thing that I wanted to pick up on with you is why Bureau Veritas and why the tick industry in general, why the testing, inspection and certification industry in general. It's actually about the practical application of a lot of knowledge. It's a real knowledge business. The people who work within a testing, inspection and certification company like Bureau Veritas, they have to have specialist knowledge on their sector, on their industry. But it applies new science. And this is something that I want to explore with you, Tom, as our innovation analyst how we view innovation in a company like this, where they're really applying science and and potentially new scientific techniques as well as other things as they go about their daily business. I think one of the important things, Ben, in, in any business, if it's going to innovate, is the ability to operate in a way that holds ownership where the action is needed. When you've got a small group of people who create a product or a service around a need that's very local, they are right next to the customer. And because they're right next to the customer, they're responding very well to what the customer needs. And so a lot of that innovation will be driven from a customer point of view. If you don't have the scale and you don't have the diversity, then you can't operate effectively as a business. So the way the tick company like Bureau Ferritas operates is to successfully meld that decentralized structure that allows them to be very reactive to the customer and marries it into this strategic center that allows it to be much more supportive of all of the scale elements that are important. So for instance, if you want to move people around because you've got customers in other countries, you're not necessarily going to want to take that team in Alabama and move it to Singapore. But what you might be able to do if you've got a centralized structure they all operate into is actually train up some new people to use the same skills and abilities uh, in a new location. And so I think there's a certain element of structure of the business that supports innovation that's especially there in tech companies. 
yeah, I think you've started to touch on some of the key elements of an investment case for a company like this that has global reach because regular readers of our material and long-standing clients will know that we're looking for what Warren Buffett called economic moats, reasons why it's quite difficult for other companies to compete with a company in its incumbent position. And if you think about a tick company and what it does, in many senses, there are low barriers to entry. You know, we're both trained scientists by background. I've been a long time out of that game. But when in my scientific heyday, perhaps we could have used our our then knowledge to set up a company, myself and Tom, uh, in a specific sector, gain some knowledge there and and started going about our business. And And there are actually quite a lot of sort of one and two man bands that do the sort of stuff company like Bureau Veritas might do. So why is it that we're interested from an investment point of view if that's the case? And I think that you've, you've started to touch on it there, Tom, by highlighting the sort of multinational, the global reach, really, that a company like this would need. And the fact that most companies, you know, they are multinational in nature themselves, will need a service provider like a tick company to be multinational as well. And if you think about something like a, a supply chain these days, and it's been very much in focus because of the coronavirus pandemic recently, but how do companies cope with their supply chains? How do they make them not brittle and can operate in various different circumstances but then very importantly you know big big picture themes like sustainability come into the fray here and how can companies show that not just in their own operations but in the operations of people who supply them are there good practices going on that they are buying from responsibly sourced sources if you're in the fashion industry you might want to make sure that your cotton is from a, a verified source for example or if you're in the food industry obviously you've got a big imperative to make sure that your food is safe that it's from sustainable sources think about things like deforestation and so on and this is really where a, a multinational tick company can come into its own versus a sort of local player who may be able to do things locally and there's obviously value to be added there but something about the multinational capabilities of companies is, is quite important and that's actually coupled with the fact that in order to be able to certify things you need governmental approval in the local geography as well and there's a network of these approvals that's required if you're really going to do this on a global scale. I think it's very interesting the way that you distinguish between the low barriers to entry at the local level and the very high barriers to entry in building a network of those very small businesses where there might be potential competition between two similar businesses in a local sense. That's never going to be the case at the global scale because once you've built that network, it's very difficult then to break in because your competitors at the local level, they aren't going to necessarily have that same very large structure that builds in the network of regulation understanding that is there inherent in a company like Bureau Veritas. So you get rid of that problem of the low barriers to entry and suddenly you can address these incredibly big themes around the world. The changes in agricultural technologies and the requirements we're now as consumers going to have of the companies that are supplying us with cotton. There's also the integration of the mobile and the tech companies, the way that those companies that are holding the brands, if you like, with respect to tech, are actually building out down through the stack. That's one of the things that has been a a sort of negative for this industry, in a sense that the consumer goods testing has been disrupted a bit by the rapid reshaping that's come out of that globalization, switching perhaps to reshoring. And I think that there's a smoothing out that you get from a very large 
set of these small businesses that has really helped tech industry and Bureau Veritas in particular to be resilient. It's a hard time to have positive numbers, but if you look through that, you can see the resilience. One thing that I wanted to pick up on with you is the way in which the company will have built supply chain resilience tool from insights that have come not just from the center, but from all of those peripheral businesses. And I wondered if you could give us a sense of how they've done that, perhaps by referring to the way in which they onboard a new uh, local company when they've acquired one as a bolt-on. Yes, so this is a key part of the industry is that, as I said, the main players, which are three big sort of consolidated global companies, I mentioned Intertech and Bureau Veritas already, SGS is the other one, it is quite fragmented. There are a lot of smaller players and part of the overall strategy of Bureau Veritas is to selectively acquire some of those companies. And what they want to make sure is that when they acquire that company, which can be very disruptive and history is littered with companies that have tried to undertake mergers and acquisitions and not done a very good job of it, it's very important to them to retain the talent that there is within the business. And if it's been owner-operated, then retain that person, their relationships. It's a relationship business almost and, and very long-standing. So they are there. But then what that company benefits from is the centralised support that Bureau Veritas can give them and plugging them into that global network that I was talking about, if that's appropriate for their business. And usually it will be. These businesses, they don't want to just buy market share. They also want to be able to add to existing capabilities and the existing reach of the business that they're acquiring in a meaningful way and plug them into that, that centre. Yeah, I think that's the fascinating thing about it is the way in which you've got a process of acquisition that is then going to unlock all the value in that local sense of, okay, what science and technology do we need to apply to this? that's going to be unlocked for everyone else around the world. So in a very real sense, these companies are unlocking scientific and engineering value that's held locally for the whole planet, which is fantastic in the way that it supports the sustainability of the economy and the society as a whole as we exist on the planet. And to find a company then that's also got this massive, massive role to play in the energy transition is fantastic. So if you go and look at the sort of statistics around the Global Wind Energy Council's reporting, then you see that the average turbine size is expected to double by 2025. There are going to be new floating installations that are going to increase. So it is going to be phenomenal, the amount of work being done to increase the wind power capabilities of our society. And Bureau Veritas are going to be there for that. And they're very used to innovating in that sense. Yes, historically, Bureau Veritas have owned that marine inspection business and really dominate in that particular niche, which is something we like out of businesses. If they can come to own a, a sort of corner of the market, that's, that's a really nice place to be. Almost counterintuitively, there's a new world that you're describing, which is offshore wind, which is very vital to an energy transition, which I think is now commonly accepted is not just needed, is actually going to happen. And those big long-term trends that they can serve as well as more run-of-the-mill stuff as well. I think just touching on the, um, the innovation again is the sense that they know how to set up a small company and let it flourish. So wherever these things are going on around the world, they're going to be on the lookout for companies that are providing services already to those sort of companies and, and be able to acquire them and bolt them on if they need to. But they've got this established already, this skill set. And so they are primed 
and were already priming. You know, they dropped their capex has gone down to three percent in oil and gas, nine point six percent opex, and a little bit of exposure in the marine segment. But they've been bringing that down, and they've been bringing up this capability in wind and offshore wind in particular, which is fantastic. I want to talk a bit about the new tech. I think it's probably worth saying that these companies, whilst they do play into some very positive long-term trends, they do service the industry. And I think you've seen something of the negative impact of that and with the coronavirus pandemic and the impact that that's had on sort of general industry, manufacturing and so on. And so these companies, they are somewhat exposed to those sort of economic breezes that come along and shift things from time to time. And obviously the coronavirus pandemic has been a bit more than a breeze, been more more of a storm. (laughs) But uh, they are affected by that. But I think that these are wobbles that will go around a long-term positive trend. But it's worth saying that doesn't mean that, you know, sort of every quarter and every year that their revenues will go up and margins will go up because there is that sort of general industry exposure which will be affected by, you know, the normal economic cycle and the abnormal economic cycles that come along from time to time as well. But on the technology front, you know, these are really, going back to your earlier point about as a scientist, it's quite interesting. These are appliers of technology. They don't necessarily create the technology, but they do create applications of the technology, which is great. And I was uh, actually, in preparation for this, I was looking back at Bureau Veritas and our notes and reading around, and I was particularly looking for, I guess, some sort of sexy new things that they are doing. And some of the buzzwords that come around, drones, for inspecting blockchain, which has been a much heralded technology, arguably not quite lived up to the hype yet. I'd be interested in your point of view on that, Tom, if you have one. And applying the cloud as well and thinking about traceability and those sorts of things. So I wondered, Tom, how you view those sort of applications and development of them when it comes to a company like this. Well, I think construction inspection is an interesting one there from the point of view of the drones, because clearly if you can send a drone in instead of a person, you don't have to climb all of the stairs or go up in the cherry picker or the or the lift in order to actually see what's there and so where there's a sort of downturn if you like in the overall trend with construction actually what you'd expect is that in the long term there are more applications of technology so you mentioned uh, drones and digital ledger technologies blockchain You've also got the digital twin technologies that are coming along with the companies the likes of Nemechek and so on. And there's going to be more and more of an interface between hardware and software in this sort of area. And the companies like Bureau Veritas, they know everything associated with what you need to create a digital twin and to certify elements of it and to regulate it or to place it in the context of a regulatory framework. And so I think that as you see more and more construction companies looking to build digital twins, there are more and more touch points for a company like Bureau Veritas where they have quite a lot of exposure to construction inspection to actually benefit from those changes in construction that are there writ large in the benefits that Nemechek are seeing. Yeah, where you've got that combination of the physical, and they have this global network of offices and and labs with the digital. I think that's quite an interesting combination where I think there's a temptation to think that in the future there'll be nothing that's sort of tangible and real and everything will be digital. But of course, real things happen in the real world and and actually you do need that locality and the presence to place all the digital into context. Absolutely. I think the number of sensors in our environment is only going to go up. 
And as you have more and more data, there will be more and more things that people imagine they want to have specified. There'll be more and more things that politicians notice they want to have controlled. And as you increase the number of things that are there in people's minds as levers, you actually increase the opportunities for a tick company in the long term. And so there's a tie-in between software technology companies, IoT, edge computing, edge processes where you've got your sensors out there, and what a tick company does, what it is. And I think that decentralized nature of the tick business and that ability to operate at the edge, that's actually quite exciting. If you're at the edge in a remote country, whether it's China or work in China is threatened by reshoring, well, there are going to be sensors everywhere. And there are going to be processes that are happening that are a part of reshoring that still require testing, inspection and certification. What they have to be able to do, and this is where blockchain comes in, they have to be able to monetize even the smallest of opportunity with tiny, tiny marginal costs. And that's where something like blockchain, where you've got this digital ledger, if they can integrate that into what they do, and I think that's already we're starting to see that in supply chain products all over the place, then what we'll see is that micro certificates are possible because the extra cost of that certification is very low. You know, maybe you send a drone and a person. The person is able to supervise the drone. The drone goes around the site. That is then replicated at multiple sites. And you don't need as much expertise in that individual person. You need integrity. And then you've got all of the background they've got in recruitment to build that integrity. Then you've got the tech on top of it and the ability to operate micro contracts and micro testing, inspection and certification processes. And suddenly the fact that your very large capexy things are disappearing is offset by the huge volume in things that yeah. you can manage. You, ju you just touched on something that we, we actually we like to see as part of the even load investment process. And we're describing all this and the new technology and an international network of labs and offices and, and conjure up an image of something that's quite expensive to deliver and therefore would be expensive to the customer. But actually, this is something that's really important, of course, without being certified, then products can't go on sale, etc. But actually, if you look at the cost of a product or a service, indeed, it's typically less than 1% of the total cost of that is represented by the process of testing and inspection and certification. But it's really important to the delivery of those goods and services. And that's something we generally like to see is where a company has goods and services where they're a relatively small cost compared to the budget of the customer, but is really important to the outcome for that customer. And you can apply that across lots of different industries from, from consumer goods to technology to healthcare to this sort of business services world as well. That's something that we really like to see. And if that cost can, you know, relative to the overall expense can be driven down through time, then that's great, as long as for the incumbents, they will be able to make their margin and, and do a good job for their customers and use their cash flow to reinvest in their businesses, importantly, but also as income-seeking investors, you know, give some of it back to shareholders as a dividend as well. But as long as they're delivering value for their customer, that's the really important point with this network of permissions and the network of labs and technology that's supporting their service then that adds up to a value add for the client and that's a sort of win-win and that's the sort of thing that we like to see with a business and its customer is where both parties walk away happy from the transaction absolutely well i think we've covered the basics of the tick industry and, and bureau veritas very good to talk to you tom hopefully you've enjoyed listening to this podcast 
do send us feedback. We always like to hear from our clients and, uh, and potential clients. And uh, if we get positive feedback, uh, who knows, maybe we'll do another one. But bye for now. Goodbye.